faithwire.com. Ida has made her way through the East Coast, but not without leaving some insane levels of flooding and rainfall. Today's Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes to this podcast. We're here every day. We'd love to have you with us as well as we journey through the news of the day. Always a fun, fun journey. And uh, joining me as always, Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com. Trey, what's going on? Hey Dan, so I've I've been watching some of the like time lapse videos of the flooding from Ida. Oh my Ida. goodness! And I remember when I was little, we had Hurricane Isabel. Was like the, I'm from the East Coast, like Virginia tidewater yeah. area, and that was a big deal. But these videos are are, are worse than than what I remember that oh. being. So it's crazy to see the East Coast being hit hit like this. And this, yeah, um, it's, it's like the stuff of nightmares too. I mean, it just like yeah. super quick because the storm came. I live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, and it sort of it just rained for like one afternoon, basically, and into the night. And but it was so much rain; it was just like sheets yeah. of rain coming down. So it, wild, wild stuff. Crazy. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk also about uh, Texas. A clinic is rushing, or they rushed through nearly seventy abortions. Mm ahead of the heartbeat bill that was just implemented this week. Uh, Australia, we, we were going to talk about this the other day and we, we missed it. So now we're going to talk about it again. Uh, Australia has completely gone crazy with COVID restrictions. Uh, I mean, they've just gone mad over there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have some of the details there. And then Joe Rogan has tested positive for COVID and the media, namely CNN, has been reporting that he's been taking horse medicine. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, da- too. Dare I say, misinformation from CNN? <laughs> COVID misinformation? I mean, <laughs> it, it might fit, you know. It might fit, I know. Of course, they'll never get they'll never get suspended, only if they were conservative. No. Then then it would happen. So, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's go into story number one here. Hurricane Ida, Pummel, Louisiana. Louisiana. Then it downgraded and headed inward, inland to a tropical storm, but it dumped a massive amount of rain and water all along and up and down the East Coast. So here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Relentless rain from the remnants of Hurricane Ida sent New York City and parts of New Jersey into a state of emergency last night. I know in my area here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, we had tornadoes touchdown nearby. Um, There's just a ton of rain, thunderstorms, so it was crazy. Um, But the rainfall was so intense that the National Weather Service declared its first ever flash flood emergencies. As you were saying, Trey, dramatic video just showing roads and highways, you know, completely underwater. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the videos from New York City where you see people just in subways and water just cascading down the steps and onto the tracks. Um, You see firefighters rescuing a man from a car that was stuck deep in floodwaters. Um, in the Bronx, there were dozens of cars underwater on a highway, um, and people reported just seeing the cars just suddenly floating down the road because the water just lifted them right up. Um, at least 18 deaths were linked to flooding in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania yesterday. About 280,000 people are still without power. In fact, I can hear the generators going behind me. The neighbors in the neighborhood behind me, they, they lose power more than we do, and they're all out. Um, but in New Jersey, there was, uh, as I said, a tornado that touched down. Um, 
crazy video of that. It looked like something from Kansas. And multiple tornadoes hit around this area, destroying several homes and businesses. So just wild, wild scenes. And and yeah. uh, I think the one you mentioned, Trey, that one from New York, some somebody in an apartment. Because you had those lower level apartments, these garden apartments that people live in. And the same thing happened with Sandy when that when the water comes in and the surge and the rain, it just like comes in all of a sudden. It's not like creeping up like, right. oh, we got some water dripping. And the woman just opens her door and all of a sudden there's just a river just comes flooding into uh, her her living room, into her apartment. It's crazy, crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. And um, and I know, and people who don't, Trey, people who don't experience that, like I've never experienced it to that level, but I have had basements flood on me and it's it's a helpless feeling because all your stuff in there is just, you're, you're doing your best to try to shop back it up. But if you don't have power and you don't have a generator, you're just kind of stuck and the water is just coming in and you just know everything's getting ruined. And, yeah. um, and so might not necessarily, it's yeah, it's miserable. It might not even look to some life threatening. Some of them were obviously yeah. 18 people died, but, but, um, even the smaller ones, man, just, it's just the, the damage is just so, uh, just frustrating and it's going to be, you know, a big cleanup. So, so number two here, uh, disaster relief teams. That's the other side of this. You've got places like CBN's operation blessing. They're partnering with life church um, and there's other organizations out there, but they are on the ground doing cleanup efforts ever since Ida hit. I know Operation Blessing, they had been like staging ahead and charting the path and staging ahead of time to be ready for that. But um, they're delivering truckloads of water, tarps, other uh, disaster relief supplies to some of these areas hardest hit by the hurricanes and um, you know, mobile kitchens, more generators and other items in the days ahead that you'd need. And uh, just that every day, you know, you just don't think about oh, what's going to happen when I don't have power for a week. It's just it really it does throw a wrench into things and it's it's frustrating and it and it brings everything to a grinding halt. So so yeah. number three, why does it matter? Well, I mean, the country we've been bickering about all kinds of stuff in this country the last couple of days and storms are sort of like the great equalizer. You know, you see your neighbor's house underwater or trees falling down. I mean, suddenly and I would hope it wouldn't matter before, but suddenly the political views that we all bicker about every day don't even really matter all that much. And they kind of fade into the background and, um, you know, it shouldn't matter anyway, but we, I know we get blinded by that, but you, know, you look at these relief efforts and you can, you can give to those, you can give to operation blessing if you want to help, but you could also just, if you're in this area and you know, in the East, anywhere on the East, just, or if there's something going on and you're fires out West or whatever the case may be, you know, just go outside and walk yeah. around. If, if, if you're in the impacted area, offer a helping hand. It's easy enough to do, and it seems like that's the sort of thing we need more of these days. Yeah, for sure. I think it does you know, remind people of, of our shared humanity, right? You know, it's whenever you see somebody else in desperation, uh, the thought is, or, or like the hope is that uh, some of that, you know, the general work, we're all created in the image of God, whether we're believers or not. And you're hoping that some of that, uh, that innate uh, blessing from God would come out, this selflessness and this desire to help your fellow human being uh, would come out uh, in times like this. And we see that happening in places all across the country when there are you know, disasters like this. People just kind of come together and rally together and, and do the right thing. I know another organization that's you know alongside Operation Blessing that's also in, on the ground already is uh, Samaritan's Purse. 
um, which Samaritan's first dance seems like they literally are always <laughs> everywhere. Yes. Like they're the, <laughs> it's just like, no matter what is going on, I feel like I can count on the fact yeah. that Samaritan's first is there or on the way. <laughs> um, so it's, it's cool to see organizations like that, faith-based organizations like that who are out there helping. And I know Operation Blessing is the same, but whenever I've had the opportunity to interview people at Samaritan's first, they always say like when, when, you know, you ask, what's your, what's your, first goal, what's your intention? They said, well, we want to meet the immediate needs, but our, our first and primary goal uh, is to communicate the gospel mm-hmm. and, and share the love of Christ with with people who are hurting. Um, so it's just encouraging to see our you know fellow believers out there doing good. And like you said, Dan, if you've got an opportunity to either join them or you can just go out on your own to your neighbors and say, hey, is it, can I get you dinner tonight? Can I help clean this up? You know, whatever, because even if nobody died or there weren't any catastrophic consequences, so often it's just sentimental stuff that was in the basement or, or wherever that's just gone. And that's, yeah. it's, it's a grieving process. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's never, never a bad time to get out there and show the love of Christ. And yeah. as, as you said, there, like Samaritan's person, spread the word. I mean, that's what we're here to do. So yeah, for sure. All right, story number two. Uh, so one of the largest clinics in Texas rushed to complete a whopping 67 abortions in just 17 hours ahead of the implementation Wednesday of the state's heartbeat bill, which effectively outlaws abortion. So here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. Uh, The pro-life law took effect Wednesday at 12 a.m. We should note that the law is not uh, being criminally enforced. Uh, It just empowers people to file lawsuits against abortion clinics. Uh, So, but according to the report from the leftist news site, the 19th, the whole women's health clinic in Fort Worth uh, was teeming with patients well into Tuesday night. Uh, Marva Sadler, the director for clinical services, she looked at the patients waiting in the lobby, the outlet reported, and the list of patients waiting to return, uh, and even more patients waiting outside in cars surrounded by protesters and realized they might not get to everyone. Uh, depicting the new law as an unmitigated assault on women's rights, the 19th uh, described Sadler as determining the clinic needed to perform eight abortions an hour with only one doctor on duty, an octogenarian who had been working since 7 a.m. The author of the article focused on one woman, a drug user, uh, set to begin serving a five-year prison sentence in a week. The woman, who was 12 weeks pregnant, already had three kids at home and did not want to deliver her fourth child while she was behind bars. The reporter said the woman dropped to her knees on the cold tile floor in front of Sadler, begging her to take her to perform the abortion. Uh, So according to already existing law, though, the woman was unable to receive an abortion because of the state's requisite 24-hour waiting period, which forced her to wait until after the law was already implemented to terminate her pregnancy, which at that point had become illegal. Uh, So the newly enacted uh, legislation outlaws, like I said, abortion after six weeks, uh, many you know, for that, you know, many women are not even aware they're pregnant at six weeks. Um, so it, it effectively gets rid of uh, the option for abortion. That's a bit, literally minutes before midnight. I think it was 1156 or 1157. The clinic finished its last abortion, uh, 67 of them, uh, at a rate of four uh, abortions per hour. Uh, the 19th reporter noted that the abortion clinic staffers then sat back to, this is literally her word, to savor their success. Uh, but the director, Sadler, she drove away uh, sad because she couldn't get more pregnancies terminated. Uh, so that's just how that outlet fr- framed everything that went on uh, over the last, uh, you know, the, the 24-hour lead up 
uh, to the, the law going into effect in Texas. So number two here, we talked about this some yesterday, Dan, but really it's just difficult to fathom how people can see this mad dash literally to kill as many babies as possible as a good thing and to mourn that they were not able to do it more. Like yeah. that they were not able to terminate more pregnancies. Uh, you know, and even she said that the reporter talked about how the, the, the following morning, yesterday morning, Sadler came into the clinic and was just kind of downtrodden because she had to turn away women who wanted to abort their children. Um, so number three, why does it matter? I think as believers, it should obviously grieve our hearts that, that we've become so numb to what abortion is. Uh, we've talked about this so many times here on the podcast that we're not even realizing what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're celebrating uh, in promoting abortion, uh, because th- there are other options, but we don't even take the time out to acknowledge them in our in our current culture and climate. We don't talk about adoption. We don't talk about abstinence. We don't talk about you know being wise with our sexuality, uh, and maybe even I know this is a crazy idea, Dan, <laughs> but maybe following the scriptural you know, the dictates of scripture when it comes to how marriage and sexuality uh, and parenting should happen. I don't know. I know how crazy and wild that seems, but maybe there's a reason that God ordained uh, marriage and and childbearing to be done in the context of marriage. uh, Yeah. It's almost like he thought this out and uh, how to plan it. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy thought, you know, and I can't help but think, I'm sure you do too, Trey, when you read stories like this and you see, the article like this, it really painted them, these abortion doctors and workers, as if they were like these Jack Bauer like heroes, heroes trying to save yeah. the country before the clock runs out. And, right. um, you know, the one woman you mentioned there, the her, her child was 12 weeks. And, um, you know, when you look at a baby that's in the womb for 12 weeks, they've got everything. They've got all their major organs. They've got a head. They've got fingers. They've got toes. They're pinching their fingers, moving their mouths. They're they're a person. And then you yeah. listen to the way these people talk. And it's just insane that they can, that, that they're, I, I think of two things. I think of Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's one I think of. And then I also think of, Ephesians 4 and um, right, right around 17 there, you know, don't walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds being darkened in their understanding um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the hardness of their hearts, the ignorance that is in them. So um, they practice every kind of impurity with greediness, you know, and so the contrast is there between walking in the Christian walk and walking the way that, you know, the Gentiles at that time would walk. So that's what I think of because I, I don't know how else you describe these people that are that view themselves as heroes and very disturbing too, Trey, when they talk about the like the pep talk. Oh, they were getting really down about this and I had to convince them that they were the good guys. You know, we're the good guys yeah. in this. Like you're the people know it. The Abby Johnsons of the world, they know it, and then their eyes get open and then the the darkness is trying to reel them back in. No, 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 you're the good one. It's it's wicked stuff, man. Yeah, and we've heard Abby Johnson and others who have left Planned Parenthood and other abortion clinics talking about uh, the way they manipulate the conversation, saying that a lot of these women come in feeling that cognitive dissonance, like feeling that I know what I'm doing is is morally wrong. I know I'm ending life. And they use all of these maneuvers and, and semantic right. tricks to trick them into thinking, oh, no, 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 it's okay. This is what you need to do. Uh, this is the only option for you, and, and you shouldn't leave here without having your child 
aborted. And I just think that it's so evil that you're not even right. on top of abortion being legal. You're not even giving this woman who's clearly you're 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 using her fear to to manipulate her for your end. Uh, so instead of just giving her all the options, you're just I mean, just feeding into all of her fears and all of her worries and all of her anxiety uh, when there really are other options available to them. A lot of times these women, and I don't blame them uh, necessarily because in some instances, they're just never given any other way. Like they're never exposed to any other way. And I think that's just where believers need to step in your local church community. If you've got an abortion clinic nearby, I'm not saying to go and like, sure, there's time for protesting. I think that's that's helpful. But in addition to protesting, just try, try to do what you can to help these women in, in your own community who you know are considering abortion. Just come alongside them and try to help them and reveal to them that there are other options because the sad fact is, is that a lot of people in the medical community are not going to expose them to those options. No, you're 100% right. And um, that's all good stuff there. And um, first and foremost, pray. Secondly, like you said, relay that message because desperately, desperately needed at this time. So, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's head over to Australia, and we've been <laughs> teasing this now, Trey, for for some time here. Australia, can they even call? This is a legitimate question being raised right now in major outlets. Can they even call themselves a free country anymore? Listen to what they're doing now before you reserve judgment on that answer. Here's three things you need to know about Australia, starting with number one, the details. Does a free country prevent citizens from leaving? Well, right now, Australia does just that. Australia's borders are currently closed and international travel from Australia is strictly controlled. And it's all in the name of helping prevent the spread of COVID-19. That's listed on a government website. International travel from Australia is only available if you're exempt or if you've been granted an individual exemption. As The Atlantic points out, the COVID restriction is alive and well, despite the fact that the same government also indicates on their websites that, quote, freedom to leave a country cannot be made dependent on establishing a purpose or a reason for leaving. So they've got these contradictory things here. They're talking about being a free country and a free country doesn't tell people they can't leave unless you get permission from us. But that's exactly what their COVID restriction says. Um, The nation's highest court had struck down a challenge um, to the country's COVID-19 restrictions. So people tried to challenge it, got struck down. And this is what they wrote. It may be accepted that the travel restrictions are harsh. It may also be accepted that they intrude upon individual rights. This was in the ruling. But Parliament was aware of that. Oh, Oh, they're aware of it, Trey. So that's great to know. They're aware of how, you know, how harsh this is and how they don't, they're losing their rights, but they, they want you to know they're aware. They're, they've, they've, they've made a mental note of that there in Australia. All the uh, makes government. Makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So, but the, another restriction here, if you're an Australian who is a resident of a foreign country, so maybe you work somewhere, you know, your job has you living overseas for a while, whatever the case may be. And you were in Australia and you're trying to get back to your job. Well, you're out of luck. You, you, good luck trying to get back. They can restrict you from going. They won't count that as a, as a good reason. But mm-hmm. it's not just planes and, and the air travel that they've restricted. Just plain old interstate travel is heavily restricted as well. And here's the worst part that this was this is how the Atlantic laid it out. And I thought this was really well said. I'm going to quote it. 
The government of South Australia, one of the country's six states, developed and is now testing an app as Orwellian as any in the free world to enforce its quarantine rules. People in South Australia, listen to this, will be forced to download an app that combines facial recognition and geolocation. The state will text them at random times, and thereafter they will have 15 minutes to take a picture of their face in the location where, I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. This is unbelievable. What? They have to take a picture of their face in the location where they're supposed to be. Should they fail, the local the police department will be sent to follow up in person. Uh, and then they said, we don't tell them how often or when. It's on a random basis, and they have to reply within 15 minutes. That's what Premier Stephen Marshall said. He said, I think every South Australian should Goodness. feel pretty... Listen to this. I think every South Australian should feel pretty proud that we are a national pilot for the home-based quarantine app. Woo! Hmm. I mean, I would tell Australians to run, Trey. Like, you know, the Forrest Gump meme, you know, on the yes. on the gift when he's running down the driveway and he's out of there. But they're kind of trapped on that big island there. So maybe maybe swim for it. I don't know. Maybe you can do the forest jumping off the boat Just to go see Lieutenant Dan. out. Yeah, get, something. Get out of there. <laughs> but um, so number two here, that's the, that's the facts. What's going on? They've got this crazy app in the works. But number two, the question raised at the outset, can Australia call itself a free country if they are? indefinitely forbidding its own citizens from leaving the borders, stranding tens of thousands of citizens abroad. That was the other thing I forgot to mention. They don't come back in either. If you're, you know, the reverse on that citizen living abroad, you could be stuck out of there if you need to get back. But they're putting strict rules on interstate travel. They prohibit citizens from leaving home without an excuse from an official government list. Mandate mass, even when people are outdoors and socially distanced, deploys the military to enforce those rules, they ban the protests and arrests and fine dissenters. Does what does that sound like? Does that sound like a free country or does that sound like North Korea? And it's all yeah. in the name of safety, of course, Trey, right? I mean, we're just keeping everyone safe here. But uh, number three, why does it matter? So that's the question at large here. I mean, are we free or not? Um, but and that's why it matters. I think, man, people keep saying it's, you know, especially from that Christian view, you see a lot of this, like people saying it's loving to submit to all this Romans 13 or just wear the mask and love your neighbor and get the vaccine, love your neighbor. You're killing people if you don't. Well, Trey, you and I have been beating this drum, but once you give politicians this magic power to control everything yeah. and turn it all on, you, you don't get to put that genie back in the bottle. It's over. And man, yeah. I, I think Australia is in real trouble here. And I'm, and I wonder how far behind America is on that curve. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking as you're reading through all of that stuff, particularly from the Atlantic, I just wonder uh, if or when the Biden administration tries to implement the same stuff, will that article be scrubbed from the internet or will <laughs> they suddenly have a completely different view and a perspective? Because uh, we saw just a few weeks ago, Biden was talking about uh, how can, or the administration was admitting that they're kind of, they had toyed with the idea of um, of mandate vaccine mandates for yeah. interstate travel i mean how would they even accomplish that i don't know uh, but that was something that was was discussed and was talked about uh, by the administration and of course the the white house has repeatedly through jen Psaki said uh, we're never going to 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 require vaccine passports but then at the, you know the same token they say but we will provide a framework for anybody who wants to require right, vaccine right. passports like we'll establish that for you and you can go ahead and implement it uh, we're just not going to 
implement that. But when, you know, when you look at corporate America and and the government, particularly when you've got a, a Democrat in office, uh, it's kind of a distinction without a difference, right? To talk about big yeah. big tech and big corporations in America and the government, they kind of operate as one as one entity. It seems uh, at least when Obama was in office and now when with Biden in office. Um, so you know, it, it'll be interesting to see because we certainly have kind of flirted with some of this stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, of course, but, yeah. um, you know, we, we might not be too far off <laughs> from some of these things. I don't think we're going to go quite that crazy because I think we've got uh, a great deal of people who would kind of stand up and say, I'm not doing that. I'll just move to Florida or South <laughs> yeah. Dakota or, right. or, or, or right. whatever. Um, so we're, we're structured a bit differently that, I, and I think that helps us, but I, I still don't think that the, the white house is totally closed off to some of this stuff. No, no, definitely so, not. All right, story number four. Uh, so hit podcast host Joe Rogan, he's tested positive for COVID-19, and the media is reporting that he's taking a horse dewormer uh, to treat the infection. I mean, that's not entirely untrue, but it's also pretty misleading. Yeah. Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. Uh, so Rogan announced via Instagram earlier this week that he'd been diagnosed with the coronavirus, uh, adding he began taking monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin, that's the horse medicine, uh, azithromycin, prednisone, as well as an NAD drip and a vitamin drip, which he took for three days in a row. Uh, the media, however, namely CNN, uh, has focused on just the ivermectin that he's been taking to treat COVID-19. Uh, the network uh, shows hosted by Aaron Burnett and Don Lemon. Uh, they each featured Chiron stating Rogan took a livestock drug and a horse dewormer. So here, here's the thing. While it is accurate uh, that the drug ivermectin is approved by the FDA to treat parasitic infections in animals, it's also true that it's authorized by the agency to treat similar infections in human beings. Uh, the FDA has, however, discouraged people from taking ivermectin for COVID-19, uh, and the Mississippi State uh, epidemiologist, Dr. Paul Byers, said last week that 70% of the calls to the state's poison control center have been over adverse ivermectin reactions. There is some evidence, though, to suggest that a five-day course of the drug could reduce the length uh, of COVID symptoms. A five-day course of ivermectin was found to be safe and effective in treating adult patients with mild COVID-19, explained the authors of a December study uh, of 72 hospitalized patients in Bangladesh. Uh, larger trials will need to be done to, you know, to confirm the, those, those findings, according to the authors of the study. And researchers in the United Kingdom uh, are also investigating ivermectin to treat COVID-19. And it's, it's so ivermectin is also used as an anti-malaria drug, uh, and it has been for decades and decades. In 2015, a Nobel lecture described ivermectin as improving the overall health and welfare of hundreds of millions of men, women, and children. I'll say that again, not horses, just men, women, <laughs> and children, uh, mostly in poor and impoverished communities. Uh, the Nobel uh, lecture added that its impact remains unmatched uh, in comparison to, to a lot of other medications. Uh, so it's not just for horses, is, right. is my point. That like there's a, there's a long history of using it uh, in human beings, and it's just disingenuous at best for, for the media and CNN uh, to say that Rogan has been taking a horse pill. Right. Um, right, because that's—I so, mean, just uh, to interject here, Trey. I mean, that's the picture yeah. they're trying to paint—is that—is that he's crazy? Right. He—he's—he's he's just he went to the you know to the vet and lied and got a you know horse medication and he's just jamming that down because of conspiracy theories. Like that's, but that's not at all what's going on. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's likely that it's it's the monoclonal antibodies that are doing the, the most work right. and maybe the right. vitamins. Um, but he, he's, he's not crazy for taking it. There have been studies. There's one that's ongoing, like I said, in the UK. There have been a couple short-term studies uh, already that have shown some efficacy. So it, it really is not crazy right. for him to be taking this medication. Especially with all the other been, stuff. Yeah, that's been used for for decades in human beings. Um, so number two, this is why, at least in part, we've had so many issues, I think, during COVID, because so much of this has been politicized by the media for whatever reason. Uh, a lot of it, I think, has to do with, with Trump, the, you know, the, the previous president, how he handled COVID and all that because he was a Republican and because he was Trump. So, that, you know, there's a double whammy there, I guess. Right. Um, but it just seems like any any treatment that's not a vaccination, it's it, it seems like the so many in the media have just decided oh, I'm putting blinders on. I can't see it. I'm not going to even look at it as a possibility because the only acceptable treatment for COVID is to have the vaccine, uh, and and anything outside of that is just absolutely crazy and conspiratorial and like Alex Jones insane. Uh, when when the truth is obviously that. That's not that's not true. There right. are there are potentially other treatments, uh, uh, you know, that work. So why does it matter? Look, I'm glad Rogan's doing better. Uh, he did say in his Instagram post uh, that after about three days, he's improved quite a bit and is starting to feel. I mean, he's still down, but he said he's got most of his energy back. He doesn't feel uh, super sick anymore, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, and obviously, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I know breaking news there, but. Um, my thought is that, like within reason, Dan, and of course with you know with the advice of your of your primary care doctor, people should be able to use the technology and medications available to us to treat this virus. Like it's still something we're figuring out, and if something works for somebody, uh, and it's you know uh, their their doctor gave them wise advice on on what to do, uh, so they're not doing it by themselves. It's not like the wild west. Like they're they're getting this information and treatment from their doctors who understand their health background and all of that. I don't understand why we should shame someone for, for seeking out those therapies. Yeah, no. And and it's just, like you said, sad that, that we're so politicized that we can't even talk about basic stuff like this. And you know, that it would be, you know, somebody pushed the, the out of context horse line in the other (laughs) direction. We'd have, we'd have accounts being banned. We'd have misinformation labels being slapped on it. And you just don't get that in reverse. They get the benefit of the doubt. And this is why, conservatives and Christians get so frustrated because yeah. that absolutely, if, if you were going around saying he's taking a horse medications, you know, kernel of truth, but not the right context. And yeah, you know, so it's just, that's the other frustrating part is that absolutely don't see any banning happening. Don't see any warnings. Don't see any accidental suspensions. None of that stuff. No, so of course, of course not. not, of course not. So, all right, that's all the time we have for this episode. As always, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, on Art19, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com for news from a Christian perspective. We will be back here tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. God bless. God bless.